Good evening, everybody, and um, I welcome you to tonight's online Bible study. I pray that God will enrich our hearts, minister to us specially as we consider the study for tonight in Jesus' name. Last week, and actually from the beginning of this month, we've been considering a special study and a special personality, and that is the man Moses. And we began to zoom into the life of Moses and learn some lessons from the way he lived while walking here on earth. And um, last week we started with a topic called the call, the call, where we considered uh, the various aspects of the call and the lessons we could learn considering under the life of Moses, considering the call. So today we'll be continuing with the topic, the call, or we can call it the call part two, the call part two. And um, we are still considering the man Moses because there are several lessons we can learn from the life of Moses as recorded in scriptures, the book of Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. And um, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us through tonight's study in the name of Jesus. So we'll start from the book of Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4 from verse uh, 14 to 16. Exodus chapter 4 from verse 14 to 16. And, it, and the Bible says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. Now we be with thy mouth and with his mouth and we teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people and he shall be even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth and thou shalt be to him instead of God. Praise the Lord. So we see and we learn from these passages that sometimes our destiny can be tied to the destiny of another person. Sometimes God can link us with another person to fulfill a particular purpose. Now, each of us have our individual purposes to feel, to fulfill on earth, but we know everything is geared towards the kingdom. All purposes that are being fulfilled is to promote the kingdom. If anybody's purpose or destiny or goal or vision or dream is not in the end to promote the kingdom, then um, that person is not is probably not going according to the purpose of the Almighty God. So every purpose is geared towards fulfilling the uh, you know the, the the kingdom, the the ministry of the kingdom, fulfilling the goal, the vision of the kingdom of God. And so sometimes our destinies, our purposes can align. Sometimes even in our individual purposes, we can be made God can design that will work together partner together with someone else in order to achieve a particular purpose so we have to be sensitive 
we have to put away our selfishness. We have to put aside our ego, our selfishness, our desire to be known, to be famous in order to achieve this. We can see Moses, we can see Aaron, uh, although Aaron was, was his elder brother born before him, but Moses, I think a difference of two or three years according to the scriptures, but Moses was designed that he would be a god to Pharaoh and Aaron, his elder brother, would be like his mouthpiece. So Aaron was a priest, was designed and destined to be a priest according to the order of the Levites. Moses was designed to be a deliverer, was designed to be a leader. You know, and both of them were designed to work together in order to achieve the purpose of God. So sometimes our destiny can be aligned together or tied together. So you have to be sensitive. Some people have made the mistake of pushing away destiny helpers or destiny partners, you know, because of, because they were not able to discern. You know, some people were supposed to partner with, you know, somebody probably in the opposite sex. And because they were not able to discern, they thought maybe it was it was supposed to be a, a marital relationship, and they entered into a marital relationship, and everything broke off, everything scattered. Whereas it was not meant to be a marital relationship; it was meant to be a partnership, you know, towards the work of God. So we have to be sensitive. Another thing we can learn from the verse um, four. From verse 17, chapter 4, from verse uh, 17 and 20b, you see, it says from verse 17, And thou shalt take this rod in thy hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And 20b, that same rod, which was the rod of Moses at the time, the rod Moses was holding, that God said you will make use of, was being referred to in chapter, in chapter 20b, and it says, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hands. So the lesson here is, whatever or whoever God chooses to use becomes his own, even if it's a rod. Even if it's an inanimate object, and let alone an animate object, and you know, a personality, a person. So God can use anybody, whatever he chooses. If God can use a rod, Ordinary rod, ugly rod, and he used that rod to be to 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 do signs and wonders. He used that rod till the end of Moses' Moses ministry. He made use of that rod to do several signs and wonders. He used it to win battles. He used it to part the rest here and all that. So that shows that whatever God chooses to use is sanctified to him becomes his own it was initially called the rod of moses but later on the bible recorded that it was a rod of god so if god chooses you it's because you become a man of god a servant of god but another before we leave that point another thing i want us to glean from there you know verse 2 the bible uh, god had to ask moses he said what is in thy hand? That was the introduction of the rod. And Moses said, a rod. Okay, what is in thy hand? Moses met God unprepared. He didn't carry anything. He didn't have a, the opportunity to carry a Bible. He didn't have the opportunity to carry a, a scroll, carry 
an ark to go to, to meet the Lord. All he went was unawares, was just the way he was, a shepherd having a rod on, in his hand. And that rod, when God made use of it, when God sanctified it, he, he used it till it was potent till the end of his life. So the question then was, what is in your hand? Now the question to us is, what is in your hand? What is in your heart? What word, what promise of God is in your heart? Because whatever promise of God that he gave to you as a, as a potent weapon, you were, you called on him, you waited on him and he gave you a scripture and that you use that scripture and you, 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 you held onto that scripture. You believed in that scripture and you saw the manifestation in your life. That is not the end of the potency of that scripture. In fact, that scripture has become your rod that you can use for life. That is what is in your hand. So anytime you have need, anytime you have a challenge, anytime you have a problem, anytime you need a blessing, a miracle, what the question is, what is in your hand? What scripture is in your mouth? What scripture is in your hand? What scripture is in your heart? What has God told you 10 years ago, 5 years ago? It can still work for us today. Moving forward, um, we can see from verse 3 to 9, where God, chapter 4, same chapter 4 from verse 3 to 9, where God was speaking to Moses and trying to, you know, tell him about the call, telling him he's going to go and deliver the, he's going to deliver the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, from the hand of Pharaoh. And Moses kept on giving excuses upon excuses, upon excuses, upon excuses. And the, and the Bible said that in verse, um, verse 14, the Bible, when Moses was giving excuses, he said the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. That means when God is calling us, when he calls us and we begin to give excuses, God can get angry. Yes, this scripture has proven it. God can get upset when you are trying to prove to him that you are not worthy, you are not qualified. Look at Jonah. God sent Jonah on a mission and Jonah was trying to dodge and, you know, God delivered him into the, 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 the fish the mouth of the belly of the fish. And he stayed there a couple of days. Now God can get angry when excuses, when you give excuses. But God does not get angry when you need a confirmation for his call. When you want, when you are asking him to confirm the call, to give you signs. You can see in verse, uh, if you read from verse 3 down to verse 9, Verse 3 down to the verse 9, you know, God began to give him signs. He said, cast it on the ground, that's the rod, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled, you know, and God began to give him signs. Put your hand into your bosom, and it brought it out. He became leprous and puts it back, and it became whole again. God is interested in giving you proofs, giving you evidences, giving you signs to confirm his calling. So when you perceive the call of God, 
um, and and you are not and it's something huge and you are not too sure there is no harm in confirming seeking the face of god just to get a confirmation just to get clarity before you take any steps so you do not fall prey you do not make a mistake could be anything could be in the area of marriage it could be in the area of business a lot of people have fallen a lot of people have you know have taken steps that they thought they heard god whereas it wasn't god that spoke they thought they could have sworn that they had the voice of God. But when things began to fall apart, they discovered that it wasn't God they heard. So God does not get angry when you ask for confirmation, verification of the call. We also read from verse 24, chapter 4 from verse 24, we see... Another important um, point that we need to take note of, verse 24, the Bible says, And it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. And who was this person? That's Moses. And it was surprising when I read this that God gave him a call and told him he's going to be a deliverer. And he tried to give excuses and God, you know, waded off, he, all his excuses and insisted that he must go there. How come just not too long from the call, he's about to kill the person he said was like the, 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 the very important, had a very important mission for him. And that goes to show that God, despite the fact that you are called, if you go against the law of God, if you go against the dictates of God, God wouldn't spare you. Contrary to the belief that once you are saved, once you are called of God, you become, you know, indispensable. You become, um, you know, above the laws of God. You become untouchable. That nobody can, even God cannot, you know, cast you off. That's wrong. The Bible says, the last day, some people will say, Lord, in your name we have casted out devils and all that. He says, I, I will say unto them, depart from me, I know you not. So your call, the fact that he gave you a very important vision, a great vision, you have a great call to achieve, doesn't mean if you go astray, he wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't get the consequences of your sin. Doesn't mean if the, if you go into sin and the rapture should sound, if you should fall short, if you commit an error and the rapture should sound, you won't go to hell. So God had given him the instruction to, to circumcise his son at this point, but it was pr probably because of his wife, he refused to do that. And he thought he could just go along and continue and just ignore, you know, the, 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 the instruction. And the Bible recorded that God sought to kill him. And until his child was circumcised, in fact, it took his wife to, when she saw the, 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 the terror of the pain, the sickness upon Moses, she had to circumcise the children and the boys herself. And the Bible recorded that Moses began to have a relief when he repented, when he did, when he obeyed, when he did what God asked him to do. He began to have a relief. I pray anywhere we are falling short or we've fallen short, we won't allow the Lord to, the anger of the Lord to be so great upon us before we repent in the name of Jesus. From verse chapter 5, from verse 9, another important 
thing we need to take note of is um, verse 9, the Bible says, uh, let their more work be laid upon the on, upon the men that they may labor therein and let them not regard vain words. Now this is Moses. Moses had gone to Pharaoh and asked for the deliverance of the children of Israel. And the children of Israel thought it's something that would just happen immediately by instruction because God gave the word. And then Moses, because of that, when he discovered that this, um, you know, when he had, when the issue of deliverance started coming up, the Bible says he, he decided to increase their labor. He didn't give them straw. He withdrew straws from them. One of the, you know, materials they we use that we ease the work they are doing. He had to retract it and ask them to go and find a way to, to do their work even without the right materials, the, the, the necessary materials. And that made them have more work. And when they approached Pharaoh, you know, Pharaoh told them is because of their, 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 their foolish talking, their idleness, that they had to increase so that they don't regard vain words. And this is similar to how the, the way the devil does. Okay. When you are on the right step towards deliverance, when you are taking the good steps, the right steps towards receiving your deliverance, the devil begins to increase the affliction. So that by the time you, 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 you feel the pain more, you won't be able to, you won't have the chance to begin to pursue those things that we are bringing about deliverance. And that should be a, a point of wisdom for us. We shouldn't be ignorant of the vices of the devil. When you are doing something and you sense that there is a heavy resistance, when you are when you are doing something and you sense that the devil there is a heavy attack, that shows you are probably doing the right thing. You are probably hitting the devil where it pains him, and it's not a point for you to stop. The children of Israel went to Moses and they began to you know criticize Moses and Aaron, and they began to insult them, you know, for attempting to deliver them. That shouldn't be our attitude. That's a wrong attitude. You don't go, you know, blaming whoever is trying to bring about deliverance or blaming God or stopping the process. You continue that process because that shows you're on the right path. And sooner rather than later, your deliverance will come. Just like the children of Israel were delivered. Delivered. I pray your deliverance will come in the name of Jesus. And then another, before I leave that point, in chapter 6 from verse 5, the Bible says, And I have also had the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. You see, our groanings, our cries, our tears, doesn't really move God. What moves God is His covenant. And so when, in, when, when you want to get something from Him, from God, it's not just about groaning and, and wailing and crying. You bring forth his promises to him. You remind him. The Bible says, concerning the things I have commanded, remind him. Concerning the things I have spoken, command ye me. Bring to remembrance. Bring forth your strong reasons. God is a God of reason. It's not a God of tears and emotions and all that. Those things don't bring, don't, don't move God. A lot of people have cried in this world, shed tears, very emotional, moving tears, but yet they had no result because they didn't know the principle of getting results. And it's not by tears. It's by bringing forth strong reasons. It's by putting forth his 
promises. It's by commanding him commanding, concerning the things he has said. So that's a point of wisdom for us today. We don't just wail and cry. Those are waste of time. What we should do is believe. Even when uh, Jesus was went to raise Lazarus from the dead, when he got there and Mary approached him, he saw the tears, he saw the, the, the agony that they were going through, and he felt it. The Bible says Jesus wept, the shortest verse in the Bible. Yet, he told them, Despite the fact that he was emotional and he felt for them, he could have just gone straight ahead and just raised them, raised Lazarus up and, you know, ignored them out of emotions and all that. But he made a statement, say, I, I told you, if thou can only believe. That's what he said. If you can believe, showing that it's beyond your tears, you have to apply the principles of receiving, which is believing, believing in God, believing on the promises of God. So those are the things that bring, yes, when you cry, God feels the pain, but it's not, it doesn't move results. It doesn't bring about results. It doesn't bring about results. So I, I, I pray we'll, God will give us more understanding on this in the name of Jesus. And then we also learn from verse chapter 7, from verse 7, that grace is not a function of age or seniority. Grace is not a function of age. Moses was, Aaron was said to be the mouthpiece of Moses' younger brother. God could have gone, use Aaron, the eldest, to, to, the elder brother to, you know, bring about deliverance or Miriam. But he used Moses, the younger one. And to worsen matter, he used his elder brother to become his mouthpiece. So he was like, you know, the leader of the elder brother. But that's not, it, to God, that your seniority in age and all that, it does not mean seniority in spirit. To God, those things does not matter. Your age. And I wish to us it wouldn't matter. So that tomorrow when God asks us to be, you know, to, 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 to pay obeisance, to humble ourselves in the ministry of a younger person, it could even be one's child. I've seen ministers that the parents attend the same church and are being ministered to in the church where their children, you know, is the, 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 the lead pastor. That's humility. And they get blessed. So our ministries are, 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 you know, we have individual ministries and it's not a matter of who is above. We are all working together as the body of Christ. So it's not, grace is not a function of physical age or seniority. All right. And uh, chapter 15 from verse 1 to 21 is a long read, but uh, I, I'll leave that for you to read personally. You know, that's after the children of Israel were delivered from the chariots of Pharaoh. After they've been brought out. The Bible says, Moses, you know, sang unto the Lord, began to sing unto the Lord with Miriam and some other women. And that tells us that we should develop an attitude of gratitude. No matter the victories we get, small victories, big victories, we should develop, especially small victories. We Sometimes we let it slide and we feel it doesn't matter. We should take our time. We should appreciate God. 
it took about 21 verses to be able to, for, for, you know, to appreciate God for that deliverance he gave them from in the red, at the Red Sea. Moses appreciated God, took his time. He wasn't in a hurry to, to keep going. So we should take our time to appreciate God for the victories we get. No matter the type of victory, great big victory, small victory, take your time to appreciate God. Now, another very salient point we, I want us to consider. I believe we are, we are being blessed today, tonight. Uh, another point I want us to consider, very salient, very important, very pungent, is in chapter 18, Exodus chapter 18, chapter 18. And, um, we'll see from verse 5. The Bible says, And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness when he had come to the mount, mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am come unto thee, and thy wife and has two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and they came into the tent. You can see such Humility, despite the fact that Moses had become great, a great man of God, one that speaks to, to God face to face, one that has encountered, that has done many signs and wonders through his hand, one that brought out a whole millions of people from, you know, from the land of Egypt. That's, that's, a, that's a great feat, great achievement, great position, but yet, we shouldn't forget the hands or we shouldn't bite the hands that fed us. We shouldn't forget the person that took us in when we were still in the sheep coat, when we are still tending sheep, when we are still, we were nothing. Shouldn't get so proud because of our achievements in business, achievement in ministry, achievement in whatever. Because of the accolades, the many awards, and we forget we forget and we become too proud, bigger than our parents, bigger than our, our fathers in the Lord, bigger than those that brought us in. Now, you know, the, 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 the latest challenge most young ministers have is they feel too proud. They feel they have, you know, more knowledge, more anointing than those people, who, you know, than those are fathers. And you may be right. You may have more, more on this, more understanding, more understanding of the, 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 the newness of, you know, the Christian life, more understanding of the New Testament believer, more understanding of the Holy Ghost, the supernatural workings of the Holy Ghost, maybe because of your exposure. But we should not forget. There is a, a, an adage that says the new brooms can sweep, but the old brooms know the corners. They know the corners. They know, you know, if you want to get things out of the corners, those new brooms can't get there. They will, they will get broken easily. But those old brooms that have, you know, squeezed together, joined together, they can easily reach out to the corners. So telling us that we need each other, those old brooms may not be able to sweep the entire house very well. But when it comes to corners where there are cobwebs, where there are, you know, there are debts, stored debts for long, they can easily reach to that side. So don't despise, you know, the, the, the aged, the old people, those that brought you into Christ. You may be speaking in tongues now and moving the anointing and they are not. 
Maybe they don't even know how to speak, but they brought you up in the way of the Lord. They, they showed you the basics of salvation. That's enough to respect them, to be humble towards them. Because no matter what you know, there are still some things you can learn. And we'll see it in this scripture. When Jethro, Jethro came to visit Moses, he spotted out something that could have killed Moses early, earlier than his time. And God was watching. You know, that's a point. That's a lesson. That the anointing is no respecter of your your earthen vessel, your physical body. The anointing is no respecter. The anointing can keep flowing. Even when your body is aging, your body is dying, the anointing can still be very hot. And it takes wisdom to be able to dispense the anointing better. That's why most ministers have died at a very young age. They try to do everything themselves. All the healings, you know, the 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 the, the stress of the healing programs, organizing several programs at a time, you know, attending to several thousands of people at the same time. All those things wear the body out. And so it requires wisdom. And when Jethro came to see Moses, he saw some some areas where he needed help. And based on his wisdom, his experience, and that's the benefit of the, the, the old people. The Bible says the glory of the aged is their gray hair. And the gray hair is as a result of time, age. And age usually most times come with experiences. So they've seen things. That we, we have not seen. And if we don't go close to them, we don't ride on their wings. If we don't glean from their wealth of wisdom, we'll fall into traps and that our strength will be sapped quickly. And so in chapter, in chapter 18, from verse 5 to 7, you know, 5 to 7, Verse 14, 18 to 24, you see where Jethro gave him the advice that distributes this labor, this work to other people. So we should be humble to get wisdom, to get wisdom. And I pray God will give us that grace not to miss the wisdom that God has put in men for us to survive in our ministry in the name of Jesus. And... um if we look at the book of Numbers, as we bring this to a close, the book of Numbers chapter 20, verse 11. We now go to the book of Numbers chapter 20, verse 11. And we'll see another important account there. And that was when, you know, Moses was referred to as the meekest man on earth. The meekest. This was a testimony from God himself, not man. You can say man does not see the inside and all that, but God who sees both inside and outside, um, he declared that Moses was the meekest man on earth. He endured, Moses endured several things, several insults, several insubordinations, several challenges, confrontations. Yet, he endured until this time. We read from verse chapter 20 from verse 11. And the Bible says that Moses lifted up his hand with his rod. He smote the rock twice and the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their beasts also. Now, this looks like a great miracle. He smote the rock twice and water came out and everybody drank. But contrarily, 
if you back the reading a bit to some few chapters before then, you will see where God verse 8 says, Take the rod, gather the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. Take the rod, that's the rod, the very important rod. Speak ye unto the rock before the eyes, and he shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. Speak. That was the instruction. Speak. But instead, out of anger, you know, the, the zeal of the Lord, so-called, the anger of the Lord, spiritual anger, Moses struck the rock twice. And water did come out. The fact that he, he, he went against the instruction didn't, didn't mean that water would not come out. God still honored the, 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 because that rod was potent. So sometimes we can use the scriptures to, to bring forth manifestation. God has given us gifts of the spirit and manifestations are still going, but we don't know we are already in error. We are already in error. We've deviated from what God has said and manifestations are still going on. And we deceive ourselves that because manifestation is still going on, you are still in line with God. But that's wrong. That's a wrong assumption. Never believe, never, you know, mistake manifestation with being in line with the Almighty God. So what will help you, enable you, is that assurance is your ability to obey. What are, are you? Is there any instruction that you are currently disobeying? Is there any instruction you've not carried out presently? That's what determines the manifestation. That's what determines your right standing with God, rather. Not the manifestation. Manifestations are good. But we have to be sure, despite the flow of the manifestation, because the Bible says the gift and calling of God are without repentance. So those manifestations will still keep happening. But they are not proof that you are, you are right with God. You have to check yourself daily to be sure you are right with God. And finally, on that point, we should be careful how we fight the lost battle. It looked like Moses was fighting the lost battle. He said, are we going to, if you look at verse 10, uh, you know, um, he said, and Moses gathered the congregation for the rock and said unto them, yeah, now ye rebels, must we, that's referring to himself and God, and, you know, they're in partnership together. So he's saying we, must we, not God now, we fetch you water out of this rock. It has become the, a league with God. And he's now fighting for God. This naturally should receive an accolade. You know, those people are really rebellious. Really rebellious. Stubborn group of people. And you would have thought that God will pat Moses at the back and say, yes, you gave them heart. You spoke to them right. No. So we should be careful when we, when we come before our congregation, when we come before our followers and we say some things to them thinking that because we are, we are, we are, we are, we are trying to fight for the Lord. They did something. They didn't come to church. They didn't, um, you know, they are not spiritually, uh, you know, active. They are not showing signs of being spiritual and all that. We just we feel we can talk anyhow, act anyhow. Be careful. It's not in the flesh. Otherwise, it can cost you. And this costed Moses the promised land. Be careful. 
be swift to hear, slow to speak and swift to hear. Check your heart so that you are not bottling up anger, resentment, hatred, bitterness concerning your followers. And then eventually it will spill out and you will term it the anger of the Lord. Be careful. So these are less, lots of other lessons, but we'll stop here. But in summary, I, I would like us to know that a leader, Moses was a great leader, and a leader must be ready to serve. Moses served. Anytime they had a complaint, he went to God, and he preferred solution. Moses served. He served God, his master. He served the children of Israel, his followers. Moses served. And there are two main things that keep you pursuing the call that God has given you. Two main things that helps you to keep on despite the hurdles, despite the the, the challenges on the way that keeps you going, that gives you that resilience. Two main things. Number one is an encounter with God. And these two things you should seek for before you start your journey. Seek for these things because if you have all these things, it will be easier for you to endure through the journey. But if you don't, you can fall out of the way. Number one is an encounter with God. Moses had an encounter with God at the burning bush. And then number two, a continual communication with God. He kept on communicating with God. Every step of the way, he related with God. He prayed to God. He called upon God. He had some days with God, some nights with God. He was always communicating with God face to face. These two things can help us endure. And I pray as God made Moses a beacon, made Moses a city that is set on a hill, made Moses an example for us. God will help us live our lives that will be examples for others coming in the name of Jesus. May all those who come behind us find us faithful in every sphere where the call takes us to. In education, in business, in ministry, in government, anywhere. May those coming behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. And may the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And may the lights we leave, the life we leave, inspire them to obey. I pray all those who come behind us will find us faithful in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Glory be to God. Thank you for joining us this night. Till we meet again next month for the OBS. I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in advance. God bless you.